It's one of my uh, favorite hymns, uh, Be Thou My Vision. Um, how many of you have uh, played the board game Life? All right. The game has been around since uh, 1960. It is uh, supposed to kind of simulate a person's journey through life, from college to retirement, salaries, paydays, investments, marriage, children. And then you get the chance, as you're playing the game, to have crisis and problems and windfalls. And so as you're playing, you're trying to navigate all these different things. Last time I played the game, I was uh, playing with my grandkids. This is a couple years ago. And it was kind of funny because they were all geared up. We're playing the game of life, and they're really serious at, at the beginning of it. And uh, the first decision that they had to make was whether they were going to go to college or straight, straight into work. And they were really excited. Some of them got a vocation that they were cheering for, and others were very disappointed. And what was interesting, it was all about the salary. The, you know, that was the issue. And then they got married. And at their age, this doesn't make any sense. And so they were kind of like, ooh, I don't like girls, and, you know, I don't like boys, and, you know, that kind of thing. And then they started adding babies to the cars, and uh, it led to some very interesting discussions. And uh, it was interesting because they spent a lot of time naming the children. So we had these big breaks, and, oh, no, I'm going to name, no, no, and they're trying to figure out what name. And Ethan, uh, he's the oldest of the boys, uh, he had so many children, he had to have a second car. And, <laughs> and so about halfway through, after he had named the sixth or seventh child, he just started going, okay, it's French fry, and French fry two, and French fry three. And so he had lots of children named French fry. And it was, it was funny because he'd kind of land on another space and end up with another child, and he'd just roll his eyes and slap himself in the head, and it was like, you know, we're all laughing and having fun, spinning the wheel, counting the spaces. Sometimes we were cheering. Other times we were moaning. Now, I love board games because families talk when they're playing, playing games, but I'm not a big fan of the game of life. I'm just not. Other than getting to make a few decisions in the game, most of it is kind of random. You spin, spin the wheel, you count the spaces, you follow the directions, you might get to draw a card every now and then, but you're at the mercy of the wheel. You're at the mercy of the numbers. And sure, the game hits on uh, some of the basics in life, but it doesn't require much strategy to play the game. Do you remember how you win the game? It's the day of reckoning at the end. You add everything up, and the person that has the most cash wins, at least according to Milton Bradley and Hasbro. That's the winner. You, you get a, if you're the winner, you get to retire to millionaire estate, and it's the game of life. And it's a family game. Some people find it a lot of fun. How do you win at the true game of life? How do you determine what success looks like in real life? You know, you do not have to stumble through life, leaving things at the chance of the spin, so to speak. Oh, come on, lucky seven, lucky seven. Oh, no, ten. You know, I, I, six, seven, or eight would have been okay. I can't, I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, this isn't fair. Friends, 
there are things that happen in life. There are things you have no control over. But the vast majority of the things in your life and mine is the result of choices and decisions that we make or other people make. And unlike the board game life, in real life, it is not the one with the most toys that win. You and I have one and only one life. And we should choose wisely along the way. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series. We're going to talk about how to choose wisely. Over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is kind of break down each weekend into various areas of life. So we're going to look at things like our social life and our private life and our vocational life, our thought life, these these types of things. And we're going to see what God has to say about life and how to win in the game of life in those particular areas. I believe this series is going to challenge a modern mindset. And that modern mindset that we're going to take on when when it comes to life, it's my life. So I'll write the rules. I'll live my life the way I see fit. Mine. And we learn that at an early age, don't we? I mean, a couple of kids are playing with a, a toy and... Bigger kid comes along and goes, mine, and walks off with it. And then a bigger kid comes along, takes the toy, and goes, mine. And then my grandkids say, Grandpa, give us back our toy. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's a true story. <laughs> we hear it all the time, don't we, mine? If we were to go to the nursery today, we'd hear it, mine. We hear it in our schools, mine. In our offices, at the work site, mine. Even here in church, mine. Mine mentality over time kind of evolves into my rights, my stuff, my way or the highway. And then it just morphs from there. Me, 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 me. It's about me. It works for me. What about me? What's in it for me? I don't care. It doesn't affect me. That's somebody else's problem. I'm just watching out for number one, who? Me. And here's the thing about that meistic mentality in life. It is something we absolutely do not like in other people. True? See, if I'm honest with you, your meistic mentality bothers me a lot more than my meistic mentality. True? It's true for all of us. What I find interesting with this society that's so me-oriented, it covers everything in our lives. My life, my house, my car, my stuff, my money, my vocation, my body, my rights, my choice, and we lay claim to everything, mine, It permeates our our culture, and it messes up a lot of people's lives. But there's one area where this meistic mentality kind of comes to a screeching halt. And few people are willing to say, it's my responsibility. 
people spill coffee on themselves while they're driving and trying to eat a pizza and talk on the phone. (laughs) And so they sue. We're overweight because we've eaten way too many cheeseburgers. You know, we run a red light, get in an accident. And many people do not take responsibility. What we do, we blame. We, we sue. Because why? Because it, somehow it's their fault. You know, we get fired at work for poor performance or not showing up. You know, fail a class because we never studied or we decided to get, to, we were going to cheat and we got caught. You know, we're drowning in debt because we spent so much on the credit cards. And the fact is, we don't take responsibility. We like to blame others. And suddenly, we shift, and we go, it's not my fault. And friends, this would be comical if it weren't so critical to our lives. If it wasn't so important and so potentially devastating to life. You know, when that meistic mentality, when it rules... Ethics change, morality change. In fact, everything changes. And this is not some philosophical concept that's way out there and we don't have to deal with. It is affecting the world that we live in, and it's creating a new standard. And what I find interesting, it is now beginning to infiltrate Christians in their lives, creating a new ethic. That new ethic is... Doesn't God want me to be happy? I, I, I know, I know I, I, sh- I shouldn't leave her. I know I should break off the other relationship. I know what the Bible says, but this makes me happy. And we live that way. Proverbs says this, foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. And a sensible person stays on the right path. When I choose to be me-oriented, where my accomplishments, my fulfillment, my desires, my happiness, when that is first and foremost in my life, the game of life, your life, my life, gets kind of twisted. And the rules begin changing. And it comes with a huge, huge price tag. And it's a price tag we're paying. We're paying for it in our homes, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our communities, in in business, the marketplace, and in our country. And friends, the stakes are higher than they've ever been. Scripture says this, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. (laughs) The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, it's not talking about that we walk around just terrified all the time of God. No, the fear of the Lord is about respect. It's about recognizing God's God and I'm not. And when I fear God, when I respect God, then I'm obedient. And what happens is I start living smart. When I respect God, it changes the way I view myself. 
the way I view others, and it changes the way I make decisions. And what happens is you start living with an awareness of God in your life, an awareness of God's power and God's desire and God's ways. And that awareness impacts every single area of our life every day. And we talked about this in our last series, didn't we, off the map? But this is a theme that you see over and over throughout the Bible. You see it again and again. And it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, Proverbs 9 says it a little different. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There's a guy in the Old Testament. We looked at him uh, recently named Solomon. You know, Solomon is the son of David. He's the third king of, of Israel. And in 1 Kings, and you might read the, the story this week, but 1 Kings 3, it records a conversation between Solomon and God. And God said to Solomon, he says, you know what, Solomon, I've been watching your life. And you can have one thing. What do you want? Can you imagine that? One thing. Fame, pleasure, power, possessions. What do you, what do you want, Solomon? Solomon asked for wisdom. And if you read the story, God's thrilled at that. And you can see it in the response here. God says, I'll give you what you ask for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I'll also give you what you didn't ask for, (laughs) riches and fame. Solomon, wisest person to walk the planet. Solomon wrote uh, a lot of scripture, Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon. He wrote most of the Proverbs. He shared his wisdom in all kinds of areas of how to, how to deal with money, how to deal with sex and power and family and friends and careers and fame and success. He shares all that. And so it's a little overwhelming because you go, well, where do you start? I mean, where do you start in life? You know, if you want to get on track. And he tells us right here, get wisdom. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. (laughs) Wisdom's imperative. It's imperative to be successful in life. And I know some of you are going, yeah, 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 okay, what's in it for me? Well, friends, the best that God has to offer Ah, see, I got some of your attention now. You're like, really? Well, maybe this wisdom thing, maybe I should pay attention. You know, what's wisdom? Well, it's not knowledge. We, We are the most informed generation to ever walk the planet. But friends, you can know a lot and be a fool. You can have several degrees and not be wise you, you can watch a lot of documentaries and talk shows. You can even have a high IQ, and you can still make dumb decisions. So it's not knowledge. It's not IQ. It's not even common sense because it's something more. It's something more, and here's, here's the definition of wisdom. Wisdom is seeing and responding to life from God's perspective. It's an attitude paired with an action in life. It's a skill that you can develop 
But here's the problem, and we talked about it in the last series. The problem is there's a way that seems right to a person, but in the end is the way to death. I'll do what feels right. And it's a dead end. How many of you have uh, ever taken a wrong turn traveling? All right, how many guys are not willing to admit that? (laughs) How many of you ended up at church today because you took a wrong turn? (laughs) It's like, well, that's close enough. But It's interesting because when you make the wrong turn, you don't realize it initially, do you? It's when you get a little further down the road that you realize that you're going the wrong way. And friends, it's how a lot of people live life. A lot of missteps, a lot of mistakes. And friends, there's a better way to live. If you allow God to give you wisdom, this is a game changer here. Solomon writes this, he says, wisdom, it's more valuable than jewels. Nothing you could want can compare with it. Wisdom offers you long life as well as wealth and honor. Wisdom can make your life pleasant and lead you safely through it. Those who become wise are happy. Wisdom will give them life. What will wisdom do? Well, more than you realize. Wisdom will help you obtain the very thing that most of you are striving to obtain. It'll give you long life. It'll give you wealth. It'll give you honor. It'll give you pleasure and security and happiness and satisfaction. Those things are possible when you learn to be wise. See, wisdom, it's, it's, it's precious. You should pursue it. I mean, here, here's just some little pieces of wisdom to show you how this kind of works. You know, Proverbs 14.30, it says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. It's interesting. God knew that way before we knew that. I mean, it's taken almost 4,000 years for researchers to go, hey, you know what? I think jealousy could cause problems in your life. Physically, it just mess you up. I mean, here, here's a good one, uh, especially in our uh, Google society, you know, where we Google everything to try and figure out what's going on. It goes, only simpletons believe everything they're told. Let's just think about that for a moment. (laughs) The prudent carefully consider their steps. Now, sometimes I read the Proverbs and it's like, ouch, that hurt. A miserable heart means a miserable life. A cheerful heart fills the day with song. It's a wisdom about how your attitude affects your life. And I know some of you right now are going, if you say so, yeah. But it's true, a miserable outlook, and you will have a miserable life. Obtaining wisdom, truth, is better than somebody giving you jewels or gold. You know, obtaining wisdom produces things that we all long for, like a long life and honor and esteem and wealth and peace. In fact, if you rearrange your life around becoming a wise person, it pays in really high, high dividends in your life. And we're going to look real quick at at three things that I think will help you as, as we strive to become wise in our lives, to be a wise person. 
I mean, if you want to become a wise person, if you want that thing that, that is better than jewels, if you want to see more success in your life, if you want the best that God has to offer, you've got to give God a place in your life, in every space of your life, every area of your life, you've got to give him the first spot. You have a God that is powerful, a God that is personal, a God that is head over heels in love with you. You have a God that has extended a hand of forgiveness through, through Jesus Christ. He, he's given us grace. You have a God that, that wants to meet you and is saying to you, I can help you with life. If you'll just listen to me, if you just give me that first spot in your life, I will give you wisdom. I was talking to a woman the other day, and she, she was explaining to me that her life was a mess. And it was a very, uh, very emotionally charged conversation, a lot of tears, a lot of guilt, a lot of regret for the pain and some of the hurt she'd caused her family. And she was sharing with me, and this is by her own admission. She admitted, she said, I've made a lot of poor choices, bad decisions, foolish impulse had just, just mucked up her life. And I agreed with her. And I said something to the extent to her, I just said, you're right. It's a mess and you created it. You know, all those years of bad choices, foolish decisions... It is a real mess. But I said, you know what? You can make a smart choice today. You can make a choice that will change your life and change the trajectory of it. And I I challenged her to put God first in every area of her life. Now, instead of talking about her and what we talked about after that, I want to turn the spotlight on you. Friends, the only way out of folly in your life is to put God first. See, I need the love of God at work in my life. I need the forgiving power of God at work in my life. I need the strength of God at work in my life. And I need the wisdom of God at work in my life on a regular, daily basis. I need that. Scripture says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Despise wisdom and instruction. How many of you are uh, familiar with the Idiot Guide series? <laughs> all right. I mean, there are all kinds of books out there, all kinds of topics. You, you can find them. And it's interesting. The word idiot, it comes from the Greek word idios. It literally means one's own. An idiot is someone that goes about life on their own. They face challenges and problems on their own. Everything's on their own. They're not open to insight. They're not open to instruction from from others. They're not open to instruction and input from God or from God's word. And so it's interesting because the word idiot also in in the Hebrew, it's translated fool. And the psalmist writes this, Fools say in their heart, there is no God. Friends, I don't think there's a lot of people running around in the world 
going, there is no God. It's just that there are a lot of people that are living life like there is no God. You know, wisdom, it's found in God's word. It's found in scripture. And wisdom that's found there is not so much about what you know, but it's how you live. You know, the way you get wisdom is you start opening up your life to God and God's word. You start opening your, your eyes and allowing God's word to infiltrate your life. You might say the Bible's the idiot's guide to wisdom. It is, because it's full of principles. It's full of truths. And as we learn those things and begin to apply them, and sometimes that's the tough part, isn't it? But it changes us. It helps us get smarter. I mean, the, these truths, they transcend generations, cultures, careers. They intersect in life in almost every situation. They can be applied. They're, they're, they're across very broad spectrums. And so what I think the challenge is, is how do I get on the same page with God? So that that wisdom can guide me. So it can begin to, to lead me and protect me. Which means not only do, do I acknowledge and, and trust God and accept Christ as my Savior and Lord of my life, but I put God first in every area. That's first step. And then I pursue wisdom. And I pursue wisdom with a passion. How? Well couple suggestions here. You know, read portions of God's word on a daily basis, regularly. Pray about it. Begin the the process of applying it in your life. And if you're not reading God's word, I I just want to encourage you, start reading it. Start reading it. In fact, I will give you a place to start that'll kind of help and kind of uh, dovetail to what we're talking about in this series. But start with the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. If you read uh, one chapter each, each day, you can finish in a month. It's easy to read. Do you hear me? Easy to read. It's really easy to read, and it's very practical. It, it, you find yourself going, oh, yeah, I, I know that, or well, I hadn't thought about it that way. But it's very practical, and it's something you can do. But before you start, I want to challenge you to ask yourself some personal questions. You know, ask yourself, where are you folly prone in your life? Where do you struggle the most in life? Where are things a mess in your life? You know, do you, do you lose your temper easy? You know, do you have an issue with honesty? Do you, do you tend to want to shave the corners in the marketplace, or do you battle with pride? Do you have relational difficulties? Where is it? Identify that so that as you're reading, when you come across a verse, and you go, that's, that's really speaking to me, or it challenges you, you know, disrupts you, I, I call it, then reread it. Think about it. Just pause there for a while. You know, maybe write it down. If it really speaks to your heart, put it on the refrigerator or the dash of the car or the mirror or desk, wherever it is that you tend to put those type of things and cling to the truth like you're drowning, like you would if it was a life preserver 
and you were out on the raging sea, just grab a hold of it and say, okay, God, I've got to get my mind around this. And see, just see if God doesn't honor you when you take that path of wisdom. I believe if you do that, what will happen is God will start doing some serious work in your life. Pursue wisdom. Pursue God. And one more thing that will help you, it will help you become a wise person in, in your life, and that is hang out with wise people. You know, the proverb says, the one who walks with the wise will become what? But a companion of fools will suffer harm. Friends, I want to be very, very clear. Scripture is saying, Christians, your closest friends, the people you hang out with on a regular basis, the people you seek counsel from, should be people that are pursuing God and pursuing wisdom. I think I've shared this before, but there are two things I find very problematic with Christians. One is Christians that only connect with other Christians. Because we are called, we're called by God to reach out to a world, to reach out to people that are outside the faith. We are to reach out to people that don't know God. And Christians should be listening and talking and connecting with with non-Christians, people that are not following, and the people that are in your life on a regular basis. Christians, if you cannot name a few people in your life that you have a relationship with that's not in, in the faith, there's something wrong. You should be connecting with people outside the faith. They just can't be your best friend. They just can't. The other thing I find very, very complicated and problematic is Christians that all they have are non-Christian friends. And I'll just say this. If you decide you're just going to run with the crowd, I've never seen that play out well. Never. Never have. All my years of ministry, never seen it play out well. You know, Paul's right when he wrote, he says, don't be fooled. Bad company ruins good character. What happens over time when you run with the wrong crowd, they begin to influence your life in very problematic ways. And I've seen people go down this road. I've seen them abandon their values and their morals. I've even seen them abandon their faith, all because they're with the wrong people in the wrong environment doing the wrong things. So, so there you go. There, there are the three, three kind of steps to, if you want to improve your, your wisdom quotient. And the first one is, and it's a starting point. It's where it all starts. And you put God in the first place in your life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then you start reading God's word, praying, applying it in your life, working through it, allowing it to challenge you, encourage you, whatever, and then hang out with wise people. One, two, three. Now what we're going to do in this series, each week we're going to focus on a particular area. And 
here's what I believe and I've experienced in my life. When I play God's way, you can't lose. When I've chose not to play God's way, well, I could show you a mess. And there is coming a day of reckoning in your life and mine. You know, life, it's, uh, it's the dash, isn't it? The fact is, we're born. Everybody's got a date. That was when you were born. We live life, and then we die. And you see it on a tombstone, very, very vivid. I came into the world, I leave the world, and it's the dash that's life. You have only one life. You do not get to go backwards in life. You're not going to get to relive it. You only move forward in life. And so choosing carefully is very, very important. And on that day of reckoning, we are not going to tally how much stuff we got, how much money we've got. That isn't going to happen. That isn't isn't how we're going to figure things out. The fact is, on the day of reckoning, there are going to be a lot of people when they, when they get to that moment, they're going to realize a lot of things that they thought were so important. They're going to realize they don't have much value anymore. They're also going to realize that some of the stuff that they didn't give much thought to, that it actually was very important. Most of life, most of life, not all of life, but most of life is not random. You are not at the mercy of the spinning wheel. You're not at the mercy of the numbers. But the decisions you make are important. And with God, well, you can choose wisely. And so that when we take our last breath, And just a newsflash, we all will take our last breaths at some point. We can stand before our Creator, probably kneel before Him, but we can hear those words, well done. Well done. This series, Life, it's about choosing wisely, living life at the highest level possible. And I I don't know about you, But I want to live life to its fullest. I want to experience the very best that God has. And I want to finish life well. And I want God's wisdom. I want it. See, this series is about getting a vision for your life. A God-sized vision. Solomon writes this. He says, where there's no vision from God... The people run wild. But those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. Song they sang a little bit ago. Lo- love the verses in that. You are my vision, O King of my heart. Nothing else satisfies only you, Lord. You are the best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, your presence, your light. You are my vision. You are my true word. I ever with you and you with me, Lord. 
you're my great father, and I'm your true son. You dwell inside me. So here's a prayer for us. Together, we're one. Friends, I challenge you. Get a vision for your life. Vision God has for your life. Take your wisdom up a notch. But it doesn't happen by accident. It's something you've got to decide. So let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God. God, I just pray that we would uh, put you front and center. God, open our hearts, open our eyes. God, we long to know your ways. God, every one of us here today, we've, um, we've made a lot of messes. God, I just pray that we'd uh, have the courage and just the honesty to admit we made the messes. God, there are enough things that happen in life that uh, it's not always easy. A lot of pain and hurt. But God, help us to not make choices that amplifies all that, that creates that. God, I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just spill on us, that we'd get a passion to not only pursue you, but to pursue wisdom, your wisdom. God, guide us, lead us. Be our vision, Lord. Be our vision. We just give you the glory and praise this day. Amen. I would uh, just say to you, we're going to have prayer teams down down front. Um, you know, maybe you got something going on in your life. You just need a brother or sister to pray with you. Let them, let them do that for you. Uh, you know, we need to, it's a wise choice. Walk through stuff together and... Uh, Let's just stand and we're going to worship and uh, allow God to be the vision in your, in your life.